Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast, and I think we all know what that theme song means. It means that the NHL is going to be back on ESPN, so now we can all party again like it's 1995 and pretend that all the games are going to be called by Gary Thorne and Bill Clement. I have mixed feelings about the announcement, and we'll talk more about that later, but uh, Tim, anything you just want to say right off the bat about Um. the, uh, the big announcement? Yeah, I, I can double your mixed feeling thing. And, you know, they, they made this announcement and it was like social media blew up about, yay, we get to hear the theme song again. Who gives a crap? That's not the point of this. About stupid theme song. Yay, we get to hear the ESPN. So what? They'll probably come up with a new theme song that'll be, like, different. And, and yeah, there is a chance we might get Gary Thorne back. So. Well, you know, and it's funny because, like, it's like if you think about the Hockey Night in Canada hockey song, when um, when uh, CBC lost the rights to that, and then they had to come up with their own hockey song that was called Canadian Gold was actually the name of the winning entry. Because I remember when they had like, you know, they had people submit uh, music for that and, you know, they had like an online vote and stuff like that. And, and then everybody kind of not forgot about the hockey song because then it went over to a different network. But you know, and then eventually it came back, and then eventually it went away again, and then people just kind of stopped. I don't say they stopped caring, but, you know, it it's nice to have that little bit of continuity, but no, I get it. And, you know, the other thing I'll say is that I'll never get tired of hearing Brass Bonanza, but I get tired of hearing people talk about Brass Bonanza, if that makes sense. So let's talk a little bit about some hockey cards before we delve back into the ESPN thing, because... Uh, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot. I mean, there's the usual, um, just uh, much to your chagrin. I'm going to give a uh, quick update about Tops Now stickers. and Yay. Yeah, exactly. So week seven, um, 346 packs. Uh, the big one in that was Patrick Kane's 400th goal. Week eight ooh, went up a little bit to 353 packs. Uh, the big sticker in that one is uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, and again, Patrick Kane playing in his 1,000th game. Week 9 is currently available. All nine stickers are currently to be announced, and eventually they'll release images and tell you what they are, but probably not until the item closes for sale. So again, like I've said before, you're buying these on blind faith that they will be stickers with hockey guys on them and not just like blank black stickers that say image coming soon. That's my favorite one, the image coming soon one. Could you imagine opening a pack of that and like like all nine of them just say like image coming soon? I think that'd be awesome. That'd be like one of the, it'd be like a rare, a rare production error that will be worth millions and millions of dollars. And then they'll even make the NFT version available for you to download and have forever. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about uh, uh, production errors, I mean, one of my most fond, odd cards that I own is the Ken Dryden card from the 1999 Century Legend set card in finger quotes, because it's like a cyan, yellow, magenta and black test pattern where the Ken Dryden photo was supposed to be because he didn't consent to being in the set. So they already had the sheet laid out and instead of putting a photo there, they put the test pattern and then that way they could easily spot it and pull it out after the cards were cut apart. And and then that ended up still getting into a few packs, like five, like five or less. So I wonder if Ken like- Dryden actually owns his own test pattern card that he disapproved of. That'd be I interesting. Don't know. Um, so anyway, so Tops Now stickers. Uh, and then President's Choice Game used uh, came out with two different insert sets last week. Um, sorry, President. Yeah, President's Choice trading cards in their President's Choice game used series of insert sets. They're calling them. So one set that they came out with was called Vintage Triple Franchise 
memorabilia. That's a lot of syllables. Um, each card is numbered to three. And the cards are ranging from $400 to $600 each per card, which is an awful lot of money for a card that's limited to three. But the players, the lineups on these are ridiculous. Okay, so you got a uh, Jacques Plante, Maurice Richard, Elmer Latch, uh, Terry Sawchuck, Gordie Howe, Ted Lindsay, right? Bill Mosienko, Harry Lumley, and uh, Charlie Gardner you know, from like the 1930s Blackhawks, right? I mean, so some of these are going back like even pre-original six when you have like, when the NHL had like sometimes as many as 10 teams. So yeah, so there's some, definitely some uh, really old players on these cards. And then the other series that they came out with, which is called Vintage Quad Memorabilia. Those are also numbered to three. And those are ranging from about 340 to 440 per card. And like some of the um, players uh, memorabilia on these cards, there's like one I'm looking at here with uh, Bill Barilko, Ted Kennedy, Elmer Latch and uh, Maurice Richard, you know, just to give you like an example of like the types of players that they're putting on these cards. Nice. Yeah. Pricey. Like, you know, I, I have like a threshold for like most Jersey cards, you know, I'm kind of like in the 50 to 75 dollar range and then i think after that it gets it, it gets a little too rich for my blood you know even with like the doubles and the triples and the quads and stuff like that but um you know but here's here's the thing though on these sets so upper deck has the nhl license we all know that they're going to have the nhl license for the foreseeable future so the other card companies that are out there that are still manufacturing cards they're putting out really nice product and for those that collect hall of fame level players or you know the vintage era players from the 70s and backward these are the only places where you're going to be able to find some of that stuff because honestly even when upper deck comes out with some of the nostalgic type sets beyond getting a few autographs here and there Rarely do I ever see them pack in, you know, a piece of skate with a pad, with a stick, with a glove, with pants, with and have all of this stuff on a card of, you know, Newsy Lalonde. Right. Like, they don't have that in their inventory. They just don't. You know, Brian Price does. And, you know, Leaf and Brian Gray, somehow they do too. So it's like they're they're still able to, you know, clear their shelves even though they don't have the, the NHL license and still make some pretty pretty nice memorabilia type cards. Yeah, and you know, um, I got to tell you, just as a Chicago Blackhawks fan, that one of uh, Harry Lumley and Charlie Gardner and Bill Mosienko is nice. I mean, those are some three really old players, and I mean. Just to have a card that has like game used, game worn jersey swatches uh, from their career, that's pretty awesome. You know what I right. mean? Like, I wouldn't even know where to, like, I don't say I wouldn't know where to find it. You go on eBay and you find it. You know what I mean? But I know that it's like, is it in a set like Upper Deck or Upper Deck Artifacts? No. Or even like Upper Deck, like, what was it set that they did a couple years ago? Or uh, Chronology? Yeah, where they did it yeah, over. Chronology two. Part One and Part Two. Part Two and like, you know, they'd be like, oh, well, it's an Eddie Shore. Like, I, I got a, well, Eddie Shore didn't have his name on the back of his jersey, but it was like a, it was like a letter front that would spell out Shore. The and it was a manufactured patches, yeah. jersey patch right. letter. Yeah, I know we talked about the styrene ones and stuff like that. Yeah, but like, at least yours was an actual patch. <laughs> right, but what I'm the saying is like. modern players didn't even get that treatment. I mean, would you rather have the letter S from a pretend Eddie Shore jersey or like a piece of an Eddie Shore jersey. Yeah, like that's their... always my that's always my confliction. I think I've gotten to the point where I understand the cutting up pads and all of that kind of stuff because somebody out there that's going to collect or put it in a museum, I got that. Somebody else that's going to collect, it's in their personal collection. And unless you know that person and you can see it, it's in their personal collection, mm -hmm. right? You cut up a pad into you know, 50 pieces and distribute them in the cards. Well, there's 50 people that can enjoy at least a part of that. I still haven't come to grips with the cut autos yet, but maybe I'll get there. 
I think like, uh, and I, I think we're in agreement on this. I think with the cut autos, our, our big no-no was when you cut it from another card, then it just looks silly. But if it's like yeah, cut from like, like a check, cut I, from I, a... I'd rather, I think I'd still rather have the full check because it, it tells a story too. I mean, sometimes they're generic, but sometimes they come from checks where it's like, this was a paid check or it was, you know, a distributed a distribution check from like a stock option that they had right. or, you know, something that came from an endorsement deal or, you know, things like that. Or, and other times it's a check that was paid to their gardener. So, you know, right. But yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Or if it's cut from like a photo, like an autograph eight by 10 and they cut it out of the eight by 10. I don't like that's, I can't stay that either. It's like, give me the stinking thing. Send me a redemption and then send me the eight by 10. Um, Upper Deck released their game-dated moments for Week 8. Uh, so we have Nicholas Backstrom becoming the first capital to get 700 assists. Um, he was probably the first capital to get 600 assists, too, I'm guessing, but maybe not. Um, and then Matthew Barzell's Between the Legs goal. Um, I'm thinking about buying this one because it pictures Carter Hutton, although not in a very good way. So even though I collect every card that has to do with Carter Hutton, this isn't technically his card, but it's probably going to be one of the last cards he appears on, I think, for for a while. Unless it's in like a KHL set or something. Yeah, if you, I, I would advise if you're going to snatch it up, you probably do so sooner rather than later. Because judging by how things have been going on for the game dated moments, they have been selling out on a weekly basis. Um, not every week sells out right away. I mean, they had the glitch um, in their system with the checkout for a while. Mm-hmm. And once they got it fixed, they held back all of the weeks until they got that fixed to where you could actually check out. And now... I mean, they fixed it. You can only put those in your cart. Can't put anything else in your cart other than a game-dated moments pack. I mean, you can go back in and buy more stuff later, but um, just based off of what they had available, they held them all back and then released them like every day for pretty much a week to get caught up for week four, five, six, seven. Mm -hmm. And I mean... Week four, week four sold out. I want to say like a week or two ago. I think it sold out on the fourth, and like everything else sold out after that. So mm-hmm. it was within like six or seven days where all of it was sold out. So yeah. So if you're gonna if you're gonna pick it up, I would advise to do that probably quickly. So um, also available on EPAC, 2019-20 Upper Deck CHL SP Game Used are coming to EPAC on March 17th. And uh, also 2021 Parkhurst is currently available on EPAC. It's been on EPAC for some time. Um, You know, it was on Walmart.com for a little while and I was looking. I'm like, "Ah, maybe I'm going to buy some boxes of Parkhurst and then you know, he who hesitates has lost. So uh, they ended up selling out before I ended up buying them. But, you know, I guess in retrospect, I like Parkhurst. And I think we talked before about like the importance of there being like different tiers of like uh, products at like different price points and even like retailer exclusive products like Parkhurst or whatnot. I think just like looking at that set without getting into like a full review of it, it's a set that I probably would want more out of than what it would give me because like a 220 card base set, eh, that's not bigger than upper. It's a little bit bigger than upper deck, but like then 30 rookie cards. Okay. I mean, at, at that point, it's like you look at Opeachy and you say, well, Opeachy maybe doesn't have the same amount of rookies as upper decks young guns but man it's got a huge base set and you got your third line players and your third string goalies and your you know sixth or seventh defenseman or whatever um and parker's just seems i don't know i don't say it seems just like another set but i think that like um 
other than the legends, I don't really see me personally uh, a reason to buy it. Like I didn't like jump all over it when I saw it on Walmart.com. I was just like, eh, should I buy this? I don't know. I'll think about it. Let's see who's in it. Yeah, all right. I'll leave that browser tab open and come back to it tomorrow or Sunday or whatever. Yeah, and I I don't usually jump on the Parkhurst one. I think the only time I ever did from physical standpoint was a few years ago when there was nothing around and I was just like had to have a pack. So so I I got some from there, but I have been doing Parkhurst on ePack um since it came out just because I was curious about all of the card combination functions. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, I'm interested in pulling the actual tall boy puzzles mm-hmm. um, th- to get the physical tall boy cards. So you get the top, middle, and bottom. And if you have all three, you can meld them together to make a physical tall boy card. I guess my question is I haven't seen one in person, so I'm not sure if they're actually tall boys or if they're like the um, like the fake tall boys that Opeachy has, where mm-hmm. they just made the they made the car smaller to make the dimensions look like a tall boy. But they should call them small, small boys. They should they should but, small uh, boys instead because they're not taller; they're smaller. They're small right. boys. So those I was interested in. Um, I think the autographs hit at a more frequent rate on the EPAC. Yes, that is and correct. Yes. I was very, very curious about the digital one, two, three star cards and how those functioned. And so I delved into that to see where we could get with it and ended up pulling a few of them. And um, upon the advice of many other collectors, one thing I haven't done on EPAC is created a, a want list in all the years of being on there. So I don't, I haven't done a lot of, I mean, I've done plenty of trading, but most of my trading is somebody offers me something and I take it. And so when you do that, you rate their trade because they offered it to you, Mm -hmm. but I don't believe they rate you back for taking the trade. Hmm. So you only get rated for the trades that you offer that get, you know, that people, you know, act on. So I don't have a huge trade rating (laughs) on on the thing, but I've done a ton of trading. And so... I took the advice of, of some folks that threw it out there and said, try creating a want list. So I did. And after I've done that, I probably get 15 to 20 trade requests daily. Wow. On this thing now. Daily. I'm talking every single day. And so I have plenty to choose from, and I've been able to knock off a chunk of this set and, and some things. But people were going after those star cards like gangbusters. Um, so those of you that don't know, the star cards just have a picture of a star on them. And essentially what you do is you take a three star and turn it into a one star, three one stars, or a two star and take it into two one star cards. And then you use the one, the star cards to redeem towards Emerald Ice Parallels. Mm. Uh, so if you remember the Parkhurst Emerald Ice cards, which were always the parallel cards that were stamped silver or something of that nature, they have Emerald Ice Parallel. So the first 598 collectors that combine 10 copies of a star card will get one of these Emerald Ice SP achievement cards. They're all numbered out of 10. Um, so basically there's only, I mean, there's only 10 of each. Um, then... If you get 15, first 250 collectors can redeem those for a rookie or legend card, and those are numbered out of five. And then the first 96 to combine 25 copies and redeem those, you'll get an autograph parallel that will come from either the SP rookie or legends, and those are actually numbered to two. So there's only two of each. Now, this was out two days, three days, and I checked the inventory in the system, and the one thing about the checklist is the checklists don't pull pictures active unless the card's been pulled. So it shows a blank place card. Mm-hmm. But when it's been pulled, you'll actually see the picture of the card there and you can click on it and go to the marketplace and find out how many people actually have it. And I checked on most of these. The vast majority of them were already redeemed. Wow. Uh, many of the numbered out of two autographs were already sitting in people's inventories. Not all of them, but a lot of them were. So those of you that are out there that are hoarding these star cards, looking for the big payout at the end, 
I double check those inventories because if you're sitting on a ton of these waiting to redeem them, you may be out of luck already. So, so. you've bought some Parkhurst. Um, what what is a pack of Parkhurst cost on EPAC? Um, the actual, like an actual pack itself. Yeah. Uh, I believe they are three forty nine for a pack. Okay, and and that's ten cards. But nine of them are going to be digital only, and one's going to be an insert, right? Insert or parallel or SP? Uh, not necessarily. I've noticed that a lot of the packs have um, some some type of insert as well as an additional um, something. Not every pack has it, but. A lot of them do. If you look at the actual breakdown, I think the SPs, the rookies, and the legends are like either one out of two up to one out of six packs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're going to pull multipliers out of there, which those not familiar with multipliers, essentially if you get a 10, a 50, a 100, or a 1,000, that's that many of those cards. So think of wild card back in the mm-hmm. day with the little stripes on them and if you had a five and you sent it to them, they sent you five of those cards back. Mm. If you had a thousand and you sent it to them, they sent you a thousand back. Same thing here. If you pull any of those, you can click the button to combine them and it'll roll out the next tier version of that card or however many there are of it. And then you can collect those and meld those to something else. So, so on and so forth up the line um, for the different tiers. But the, um, yeah, I've been noticing. I'll get like an insert or some of the short prints out of most packs. I think it only guarantees like one or the other, but a lot of the packs I've, I've picked up from there have had at least one, if not two interesting things in there. Oh yeah. I didn't buy a box. It was just individual, individual packs. A box is about 67 bucks. And think of it, it's not a not a retail box. It's a 20-pack 20, 20 box. Right. So it would be, if there was such a thing as a hobby box, that would be the equivalent. Okay, yeah. Cause you can buy a case, too, of, if you're interested. It just seems kind of interesting because it's, like, as far as, like, a, a blaster on um, Walmart was, like, 20 bucks. And you get, like, right. 12 packs with 10 cards per pack. So I mean, it's it's a relatively inexpensive set at the retail level, and I know that the inserts have better odds at the EPAC right. level. But it's just it just seems kind of funny that it's selling quite well, I guess, because of these achievements and with the way sports cards have you know kind of had this renaissance um, of sorts over the past year, and now you have a lot of people collecting again and also people like investing and then people just having fun with it one way or the other well, um, and we talked earlier i mean you may not be able to find this on your shelf but it's being sold all over the place secondhand and i've seen plenty of auctions two boxes 40 bucks to 60 bucks so i mean i don't know what you want to plan on paying for a 20 dollar blaster of of hockey cards but I can tell you right now, I'm not paying 60 bucks for or 30 bucks a box for a couple of these when it's just a re- retail box. You know, if I'm going right. to pay 60 bucks, I'll go on here and I'll, I'll get a box of the EPAC and have better odds at pulling everything and have somewhat relative shot at getting an autograph or something out of it. Mm-hmm. At the very least, get a bunch of cards that I can meld into stuff that I can keep. Because you don't get the bronze, I don't believe you get the bronze parallels in the, in the actual retail. Hmm. So. All right, should we talk about the NHL on ESPN? Um, well, that's, uh, that, that, that seems to be the topic du jour. I know in our, our last show we were going to deal with that, but all of our information wasn't completely confirmed at the time because they were still working on the deal, but the deal is done. Yeah. So let me just give the quick, the cliff notes version of the details as per my understanding, this contract between the NHL and ESPN. So it's not exclusive. It's the, the, the NHL is still going to be able to sell the other half of their rights, basically, or how, however they phrase it. 
So this starts with next season, 21-22, lasts for seven years. Uh, This will be the first time the NHL is on ESPN since 2004. So what does the package entail? 25 regular season games on ESPN or ABC, early round playoff games, one conference final each year, four Stanley Cup final series on ABC, over 1,000 games per season streaming on ESPN+. Uh, and then it says here, uh, ESPN Plus and Hulu will be home to 75 ESPN-produced exclusive telecasts per season. And then just to give a, a little bit of um, figures here, uh, ESPN has 86 million subscribers as per Wikipedia, ESPN Plus 12 million subscribers, and Hulu 39.4 million subscribers. And finally, the deal uh, is believed to be worth approximately... $420 million per year as per a New York Post article. Yeah, the $420 million per year, That's I believe that's a pretty solid number because they were talking about the whole deal being worth $2.8 billion. So, so, yeah, I mean, $420 million a year, that's nothing to, that's nothing to sneeze at. And you figure this is going to have a secondary media rights partner that's going to be announced at some point. It's not a guaranteed thing that NBC keeps this. Uh, I'm hearing Fox is in the running now, too. Um, which, now, that would be awesome. I well, don't, that'd I, be, I, no, go ahead. If Okay, I'm sorry. I know, you, um, I know what you want. You want the glow puck back. Well, I wasn't even going to go there, but since you brought it up, sure. I actually just like the way Fox did their telecast. See, here's the thing. Even though I remember the ESPN uh, National Hockey Night theme song i think of the the mid 90s really i think of that like mid to late 90s i think of the nhl on fox because i loved everything about the way they produced games about the way they handled the games i mean did i watch games on espn as well yeah i did but the games that i remember from the 90s fox i i loved just from the funny little cartoons that they would do to like set up how both teams were doing to like the weird cool like computer animated intro to the game where they'd like show like a player check another player into the board and he'd like blow up or like player would shoot the puck and it would like shatter the net into like a thousand pieces or whatever i mean it was just ridiculous i mean it was cool i mean i like it was it was early computer animation but i liked it but um no i liked from a nostalgia standpoint i can certainly see that i highly doubt they would go that way i'm looking at fox like this we have him for baseball. We have him for football. Do we really want Joe Buck announcing hockey games? I don't think so. No. So no. I don't know if I'm up on Fox. I wouldn't mind NBC getting getting the rights back. The problem is, as we all know and we've talked about before, NBC Sports is gone at the end of the year. So this is the last season that it's going to be on, and they've already announced that all of their sports has moved over to USA Network, and they're going to bury a lot of it on Peacock, which they already have with Premier League Soccer. Streaming seems to be the way that everything is going because they want to be able to provide content to all of the people that have cut cords. I mean, that's just the way it is. They don't want to be bound to these huge deals with cable companies and be, be sucked in and not make any money. These networks are out to make a buck. You know, so if they're not making it and they have to give away, you know, tons and tons of their rights and and cut their deals because Comcast decided or Cox Communications or whoever you have in your area, you know, wants to lowball on stuff. This is the way things are going to go. But let me just say this. I like the fact that ESPN made a play for this. I like the fact that they were serious about it. And I like the fact that the NHL is entertaining the idea. I love that. I, it was going to be somebody, and who better than ESPN? Now, with that being said, all of us that, have, that are hockey fans and have been hockey fans and have not ceased to be hockey fans know the bad blood between the NHL and ESPN over the last 15 years. Right. Right. You know, the NHL basically said we're giving all the rights to NBC. It's going to be exclusive. No one else is going to broadcast hockey. And ESPN was like, oh, really? 
well, then we're going to pretend like hockey doesn't exist and fail to mention it ever. And if I just may add to that, and then also uh, even go so far as to bury the NHL coverage on its own website, because I don't keep track of this. Like, I don't write this down. I just kind of make mental notes of this. But every time I go to ESPN.com, I go, all right, where is the NHL hidden under today? And I'll mouse over, like, you know, because they have, like, NCAA, NFL, MLB, and then, like, more. And then you mouse over that, and then it has this whole drop down of, like, all these other sports of, like, three or four columns of sports. I'm like, oh, there's NHL right underneath NBA G League. And I'm like, wow, when you're below the National Basketball Association's developmental league, which is called the G League, not the D League, the G League, because they're sponsored by Gatorade. It's like, wow, I mean, okay, is there high school girls tennis? And if there was, if that was being covered by ESPN, would the NHL be above that or below that in the navigation? Probably below that. So it's always just ridiculous where they will bury the NHL on its homepage so that you can't find it. Now, I looked today and it was at the top. I didn't even have to go to more sports. It was, it was at the top like it was a, real sport it's amazing how that works funny how money fixes things money fixes everything look it's not to say that espn completely abandoned hockey i mean they did the world cup coverage when we had it you know they've dealt with uh college hockey and they do have personalities there that have towed the hockey line this entire time that are hockey fans and proponents of the game you got linda cohen who huge hockey fan does rangers coverage it just i mean has always been about the game and expanding the game. You got Buchagras. You got um, Melrose. Not Barry Melrose. Barry Melrose. Yeah, you got Steve Levy. Um, you got you know on the not on the broadcast side, but you got Greg Wyshynski, who's still with ESPN, and you know you got guys like that who have always been about hockey and have always been, you know, in in that realm and promoting the game and talking about the game and everything else. So. The fact that ESPN is getting this back, do we get a revival of these personalities and and they get to be front and center now covering games? Are they going to be doing announcing? Are they going to be sitting in a booth? Are they going to be doing the, the studio coverage for these things? I think there's a lot of things, a lot of questions that have to be answered because, I mean, look, what does everybody want? Like we said in the opening of the show, people are looking for the good old days. We want Gary Thorne back. We want, you know. We want, we want to see these guys that we remember from back in the day. Well, last I checked, Gary Thorne was available because he's not working for the Orioles anymore. So maybe he comes back as one of the guys. Maybe they are able to pry a few guys from the NHL network, pry a few people from the NBC. I mean, you do have the crossover coverage and the ability for them to use ABC. Um you know, maybe there's NBC, maybe there's ESPN affiliates or ABC affiliates that have decent announcers. I don't know. I would like to see if NBC Sports, well, NBC Sports Network is going away, and you have a lot of, well, a lot less. I mean, I don't get me wrong. Of, NBC will still have sports, just not on the NBC Sports Network. Right. So, so if assuming that NBC does has nothing to do with hockey next season. You got to find a home for Keith Jones, Catherine Tappan, uh, Liam McHugh. I mean, I'd want to see, I would love it if like they migrated over to ESPN and Liam, joined. Liam does a lot of other sports co- coverage though. Yeah. So he's probably not going anywhere. But here's. Because he has other avenues, but I, I don't yeah. like, I like, I would love to see, look, look, I know you did not like Mike Milbury. I'm not going to get into that whole conversation. But you had Milbury and you had Jones. And while I didn't necessarily care for that dynamic, I liked the two of them. Maybe not together. Uh, I I like Keith Jones. I would love to see, like, Keith Jones and Barry Melrose. That'd be an interesting, like, one, two, you know, in the studio with whomever is the host type of combination. Right? Might be interesting. You know, I don't want to see Mike Babcock make the transition because I saw him on uh, during intermission and I'm like, what? Can we get back Milbury? Lesser of two evils, right? Yeah. It's like, be I careful mean, what you wish for. It's like, okay, they got rid of Ronick. 
they got rid of Mike Milbury, and now, haha, there's Mike Babcock in the studio to break down the second period. I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here, th- that part of it, I guess, is the, the no-brainer. Having, having Bucci and Melrose cover hockey, I mean, I think that's going to be – that would probably be your main team. That or maybe switch out Bucci-Gross for Steve Levy. One, one, one of those combinations is probably okay. what it's going to be. And that's going to be huge to help grow the game on ESPN because all of those guys, and including the other names I've mentioned already, like Linda Cohen too, they're all students of the game, and they're all very entertaining when you listen to them talk. I mean, Barry Melrose is like, I don't want to call him the poor man's Don Cherry, but, you know, I guess the parallel comparison are the suits, you know, Barry Melrose game. To, to quote Stephen A. Smith, his suit game is on point. Mm-hmm. So, but here, here's the thing. Hockey is rooted in this, I, I don't know what the right words to call it, but it's a very traditional background, I guess, for because I can't think of what the right word is. But it's it's very traditional. Like, there's very many purists at the heart of the structure of the game that want to see hockey stay pure to what it was, its roots were and everything else. And this is ingrained from the top down and guys are programmed to be this way. Like if you're going to be a hockey player, here's the rules, right? Mm-hmm. And so you become this robot and everybody is this robot and the robot spits out the data the way it was programmed in. You know, we've ta- we talk all the time. Interviews between periods with players, interviews after the game with players. 110% pucks in D. They're all complete garbage. We don't learn anything. We don't get any information because that's exactly it. They provide absolutely nothing that we haven't heard a billion times, and it's the same rote answers of everything. Parts of these shows that they're going to broadcast these games on, on ESPN and whatever other network, it is. These shows need to have panels that are predominantly players on the panels that can talk about the game, talk about what's happening, break down what's going on, and bring the debate to the people mm-hmm. and make it interesting. Because this is huge. This is like a huge thing. It, this is great for the NHL because this is this is massive on so many levels. Because look. You go to any bar, you go to any restaurant, you go to any pub, pretty much you go anything where there's people gathered and there's TVs turned on. What channel's on? It's ESPN. It's one version of ESPN or another. ESPN News, it's a regular ESPN, ESPN2, it's the, the college stations, it's some ESPN. The NHL missed out on all of that. That's millions and millions and millions of eyeballs that weren't just casually looking up at the screen and being able to see hockey rather than all of the other sports. So bringing this to a network like that, that has that kind of exposure. I mean, you said in the beginning when we started talking about it, they have how many, how many people watch ESPN? You said like, Oh, uh, 86 million subscribers. And that was a Wikipedia stat from a couple of years ago. So that's might've changed since then, but yeah, still, so, that's a lot. Yeah. So that's a lot more people that, that are going to be exposed to this kind of thing. So how do you want to grow the game? Make it interesting. If you're going to put this in front of people and there's going to be all these new faces that don't know the game or aren't familiar with the game or have heard of it, but don't watch it. And now you're going to put it as part of the diet. You know, I got my baseball, I got my football, I got my basketball. Okay, now I have this hockey thing. Why should I like this hockey thing? Well, you need to like it because hockey is extremely high octane, high skill, high intensity, fast moving. Everything's bang, bang, right? Right. So we got this game that we got to promote. What better, what are, what better way to promote it than to have the players or ex-players up there talking about it, you know, bring their personality out and explain the game to people if they have to. I'm not talking dummy it down and like sit there and say, this is what icing means. This is what offside. No, I'm not talking about that. We have, we have too much of that. This is what a puck looks like. This is, you know, 
No, I don't. I don't want that. Screw all that. Put Brett Hall on the thing. Put Chris Chelios on the thing. Let them drink beforehand and get wasted and debate on the air about what is or isn't goalie interference. Or put Cassie Campbell or Jen Botterill up there and have them talk about what the NHL can do to help or what people can do to fix women's hockey and, and give it more exposure or, you know, put Marty Buran up there with Brian Boucher and have them debate like what works best for goalie styles and, and things like that. Just something to like bring more interest and more like special focus on stuff. That's going to get people to go, Oh, because I can tell you this right now. I hate basketball. I don't watch basketball. But when TNT has their pregame show that's got like Shaq and Barkley and those guys on it, I will I will watch that. When the game starts, I turn it off. But I'll watch that because those guys are interesting and they're funny and they give a different perspective on things that you don't normally get from a bunch of talking heads. And that's what I want to see. I want to see that. ESPN has a huge chance to make this be great so what you're saying is in short i have been listening and paying uh paying attention and taking notes uh, is that they need to really amp up the personalities of the current but also the former players because the current players don't say so much but the former players they'll let it all out there like some more than others and some more than they should but you're saying that yeah they need to go with that well I'm talking in the studio. I mean, yeah, you're probably, especially during the regular season, you're not going to get current players on there. You know, no, maybe no, postseason no. when guys get eliminated, you might get a few guys that'll come on and talk. But those are going to be the ex players. I haven't even got into what the current players need to do. Um, I am in full agreement with Christopher Stieg. I don't know if you hear him do the interviews or talk or anything, but you know, Christopher Stieg has said a number of times that he wishes that coaches and officials and executives would just shut up about players having to show up in their suit and tie and look all nice and everything like that. He's like, screw that. Let them have their own personality and do what they want. And I kind of agree with that. As much as people get on athletes for utilizing their social media and becoming their brand, so to speak, I mean, this past football season, Juju Smith-Schuster was like the biggest – one where he talked about that all the time and he was always posting Instagram stuff and everything else and dancing on the 50 yard line on people's logos and all that. And it ticked off all the purists. This is the world we live in now. If you want to grow something and give it exposure, look, the younger generation kids, my kids, what do they do? They watch their phones all the time. It's TikTok, it's to a lesser, not really Twitter, but it's TikTok, it's Instagram, it's YouTube. And they follow athletes and they watch everything those athletes put out there. And when those athletes show a video that they're wearing a Nike sweatshirt or Adidas shoes or Reebok pants or whatever, I'm just throwing out name brands, but you get my point. When they Mm -hmm. see that, they're just like, Oh, I want to, I want a sweatshirt like that, or I want this, or I want that. And it's all part of that branding thing. These guys are getting money from their endorsements. Why not let them do that? Guy shows up wearing his Nike sweatshirt. He's endorsed by Nike. They do it in basketball. Why, I mean, why not let them do it in, why not let them do it in hockey? Let their personality stay out. Look, P.K. Subban can't be the only hockey player in the NHL with a personality that's not afraid to do what he wants and say what he wants. Sure, he wears suits, but he wears, like, suits. You know? Right. There's but, a difference. Okay, He's not wearing that, on. you know, typical thing. So now you're a Penguins fan, so how do you convince uh, Brian Burke to allow players to let their personalities that's, hang out? That's exactly it. There's so many old-school guys in the league that it's going to be hard to do. And that's the thing. People don't watch sports for the coaches and for the executives and for the officials. They don't care. They don't care about that. They don't care about the guys that sit up in the booths that run the teams. They don't care. They care about the players that are out there on the ice. The game is about them. 
that's who makes the sport go around. If more and more players actually slid into that category to like, hey, we're trying to grow this brand and I'm helping grow this brand. You know, I had 10,000 followers on Instagram and then I decided to show up pregame in this tracksuit. Now I have 20,000. That's right. 20,000 more people that are following me. And if I throw something out there talking about the NHL and our game, they're going to see it and they're going to read it, probably going to repost it or like it or do whatever. And that's more exposure, right? Yeah, but with NHL players, you're talking more along the lines of like 200,000 followers or 250,000 well, followers. I mean, sure. you know, much bigger level. I, I understand. I was just throwing a number out there. I don't know exactly what certain people have. I'm sure some guys have more than others. But like I said, PK Subban can't be the only one that comes to people's heads when they think, who's got a great personality in the NHL? You know who else has a great personality? I'm not a big fan of him, but Brad Marchand. Huge personality. He's a funny guy. He's kind of a dick, but he's also a funny guy. And, you know, he posts funny things on social media and he trolls people and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty funny and it's funny. And so, you know, these guys don't always, this doesn't come out. You don't hear this in those between period interviews or post game interviews where they're sitting there. They're just like, do, 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 you know, I'm answering my five questions the way I know how to answer them. I mean, it's just, you got to get people to pay attention. So did you see, did you get a chance to look at Blake's takes, uh, from this week? Um, I did see it. Okay. So did you watch the, uh, the Justin Bieber music video with the Toronto Maple Leafs? I did not watch that though. Why not? Um, cause you're because, not a fan of Bieber. I'm not either. Well, that's not why. I, okay. That's not why I didn't watch it. I, when I read through it real quick, I was on my phone and I was, waiting for something so by the time i got through it all i didn't go back and click on anything so right the pop tart was done and it was kind of, <laughs> i get it so what you know i watched it uh, just because i think of i don't want to say i think of bieber a lot but when i think of the nhl and how it could market itself i think of justin bieber and i think back to when they had that uh, celebrity all-star game that was buried on nhl.com and Justin Bieber tweeted out the rosters to his 90 million, 90 million Twitter followers. Oh, the game said, where hey, Pronger be crushed him into the boards? Yeah, the one where Pronger crushed him into the boards. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. So what did the NHL do? They buried the game. They didn't have the game on NBC. They didn't have the game on NBCSN. They had the game streaming. Arguably the biggest pop star in the world right now, or as of four years ago, or whenever that all-star game was, because I can't remember how far back it was. Not Uh, just streaming, though. Streaming with no audio, other than the ice audio. Remember? Because it had no announcers. All you heard were, you heard the goal horn, and you heard the mm -hmm. sounds from the ice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was was pretty bad. But uh, anyways, so they did not do anything about that. Like, they didn't capitalize on that so when i saw that okay they're doing they're doing a uh, or he did a music video uh i'm like all right that's that's kind of cool like what else can justin bieber do to help grow hockey it was 2017 by the way um uh the uh that all-star game and the celebrity all-star game but i was like what else can you know like what other musicians that like hockey can the NHL kind of latch onto and say, Hey, we love the fact that you love hockey. Let's work on something together. You know what I mean? Like, sure. you know, because if Justin Bieber and he's a Maple Leafs fan, and if they give him, imagine if they gave him like the reverse retro Toronto Jersey a month before anybody else could buy it. And he's just seen wearing it. You know, all the kids that like him are going to want that jersey, even if they don't like hockey, right? Because they like Justin Bieber. And you're like, what is that, right? Okay. It's like the Snoop Dogg effect, right? Why yeah. you can't find a um, Springfield Indians jersey? Because wasn't that the one he wore orange gin and juice? Springfield Indians? Yeah. thought he had, the, he had the Penguins jersey on. He did have a Penguins jersey, but he also there was also another one where he wore the Springfield Indians, but they oh. were in the Hartford Whaler colors, if I remember correctly. Anyway, that's oh. neither here nor there. The point is, is that it became 
popular. Um, well, that's the thing. And what something that Blake said, youth drives culture, culture drives engagement. And he couldn't be more right on that. And that's kind of the point that I'm trying to make is if you can get the game to get bigger through stupid stuff like that, it's really not that stupid. You may think it is because you're the old school guy and we have to do this this way and we have to have morning skates and we have to come in a suit no, and we have I to do that. No, we don't. We do have to remember? get people to watch the game so we can generate more revenue so we can pay our players more and we don't run into trouble with the salary caps and we don't run into trouble with this escrow bull crap. I mean. Right, which is, from what I understand, the NHL is already going to have to their first three years of the contract is basically going to be covering their, their escrow shortfall. That's pretty much all it's going to cover. So unless they can, unless they can somehow dig themselves out of the escrow problem, I mean, they need to sell more reverse retro jerseys. Well, and I hardly see the players giving back money, right? I mean, they're not going to give that back. So you got a $420 million deal here with another 200 million, supposedly, on the other half of this. Okay, but time out. I just want to say two things really quick before I forget. You remember after Saturday morning cartoons when we were growing up, then there was the NBA Inside Stuff show that was on Saturdays? Of course I do. Yeah, and I wasn't a basketball fan, but here it was. Here was this Saturday morning basketball show, um, and I would say stuff. I mean, the NBA was well on its way, uh, well on its meter meteoric, I can't say the word, on its uh, way big rise in the early 90s by that. Meteoric, I believe, is the word you're looking for. Meteoric was the word I was looking for. Thank you. Uh, Meteoric rise in the early 90s. Then you had a show like NBA Inside Stuff where, you know, it would show the kids, hey, these are the players. And then I remember they'd show, like, music videos to, like, rap or hip-hop and with, like, clips, you know, popular music and, like, NBA clips paired together. And, like, I can't really think of the NHL ever doing anything like that. Well, currently they have ice time. Yeah, but that's the closest okay. thing to it in the current, like current today. But yeah, right. I think Fox Fox had something for a little while when they had when they had the NHL back in the nineties. They had like a little show where they would break down stuff like that. Yeah, but well, that was Fox. And Fox was awesome. Yeah, and that was Fox, but. Yeah, the closest thing to inside stuff is Ice Time, which is on NHL Network. So again, here you go. NBA Inside Stuff was on after Saturday morning cartoons. Probably on NBC, if I was not mistaken. Yes. Yeah, NBC. So how many homes have NBC? Pretty much everyone, because it's a local affiliate station that everybody has. Even if you have an antenna, you get NBC. Right. So how about NHL Network? Nope. Got to pay extra for it. You so you're have already to pay a extra. hockey. Well, yeah. you're either a hockey fan or you were a fan of one of the other networks, and it just came along with it, and you're probably not going to watch it. So that's kind of why I was making that point earlier about I understand what that show is, and yeah, it shows cool stuff sometimes, and it does little animation things, and it features kids all the time, and and all that kind of stuff. And I get it. Like ESPN doesn't need that. This is a puck. This is what icing is. This is what a cross check. We don't need right, the explanation right, right. of the game. I don't want them to turn around and turn this into a, we have to reintroduce the entire world to this new game and here's the rules and here's how you play. No, we don't need that. We need to jump right in with the people that are passionate about the game and get other people passionate about the game. That's all we need. And explaining everything from the basics on up, no, people don't want that. They want to see you being excited so they can be excited. Getting back to the Bieber thing, Justin Bieber, because this is the other thing I wanted to say. When we talked about that celebrity all-star game from 2017, and yeah, that was the one where Justin Bieber got knocked into the boards by Chris Pronger. You remember that? I most certainly remember it. So just to give everybody a little bit of context, because I don't think the clip, nah, you could probably find the clip online if you look for it. Um, But what it was was that Bieber and Pronger were in the corner Pronger was playing on Team Lemieux. Bieber was playing on Team Gretzky. And Pronger, like, grabbed Bieber because he's, like, 5'6", and Pronger's, like, 6'5". Like, grabs him and, like, puts his arm around him 
and like basically rides him into the boards. But like at the last second, he kind of put his arm around him so he didn't really smash into the boards. But the image was this six foot five monster of a defenseman crushing this little pop singer into the boards. And Bieber has like this look of like, like shock and surprise. Like he's smiling, but he's just like, ah, like it's just, it's, it's such a funny picture. Well, that next day and like even like Monday morning, that was like heavily memed. Everyone from TMZ on down was like showing pictures. Not that because anybody knew who Chris Pronger was, but it was they knew who Justin Bieber was. So it was like, you know, check out this clip of Justin Bieber getting smashed into a, the boards during a celebrity hockey game. Right. So everybody was talking about it except the NHL, because, again, the NHL who put this game they streamed it on their website. They couldn't even meme their own content. Like, this is what I wanted to do. Sorry to bring up something from three years ago, but this is what they should have done. They needed to have a Department of Player Safety video where they needed to say at, you know, 1747 of the second period during the Celebrity All-Star game, former NHL defenseman Chris Pronger boarded Team Gretzky forward Justin Bieber, you know, this is illegal contact. Like they should have done like a video and then they should have had a statement from Pronger basically phrasing the Bieber quote from the song saying, it's hard for me to say, I'm sorry. Right. Like that would have been amazing. That would have been hilarious. Right. And then people would have been like, holy shit, the NHL's kind of funny and kind of cool. And maybe we'll actually start watching some of these games. Cause you know, that's kind of fun. No, Whatever. They, they already they moved on to it, the, huh? They could at least use it as part of the Department of Player Safety videos. Maybe. They could have. They could have made once. something funny. What's that? Like maybe once, like have somebody in the video editing room just accidentally throw that video on instead. Um, uh, like this is the definition of boarding. And then like they show the play, but it's that play instead. They'd but probably get they, fired. It'd be their last thing they did. But No, I wouldn't do that for something serious, especially if like a player gets hurt and they, you know, you don't want to make fun or, 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 you know, at somebody's expense. But it's just like they're not good. I don't know. It's just it's frustrating. You know, it, it's frustrating for me as a hockey fan for over 30 years in the United States. Like I like it when people like the sport that I like. Not everybody has to like hockey and hockey doesn't even have to, I don't even care if it's more popular or less popular than the other sports. I think like with anything, I want things to be popular enough that I have access to it, but not so popular that I can't go to it. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like what Blackhawk games are now. Like, I mean, I remember even just being able to buy games or uh, tickets on day of game, right? And now forget about it. It's I mean, well now it doesn't matter because there's a pandemic and so that's not happening. But you get my point. Yeah, I want to see the NHL grow. And maybe this deal with ESPN could do that. You know, one last question I want to bring up before we wrap up the show. How could this affect hockey cards? Do you think the increased exposure on a network like ESPN could bring in more collectors? Do I think it could? Absolutely. Do you think I mean, it will? When you have that many people watching and paying attention, no, 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 having because, this put in their lap, no, then no, no, but of see, course. 86 million subscribers does not mean that everybody's watching ESPN. That's just people who get ESPN, whether they watch it or not. No, I completely understand that. But at the same time, if you have that many subscribers, well, how many subscribers do you have to NHL Network? It's not that high. No. So even if it's only a percentage, that percentage across the board, all things being equal, mm -hmm. it's way more people on the ESPN mm -hmm. side than on the other side. So my point is more eyeballs, more people watching, more exposure. I mean, look at how much the basketball card market like was affected by that Jordan documentary. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Jordan documentaries on TV and everybody's digging out all their 8990 hoops Jordan cards and trying to sell them for hundreds of dollars a piece when these were like a dollar, two dollar cards, you know, five dollars max. And it's like now all of a sudden you can't even find this stuff. All this junk, junk wax era just became popular again. 
do I think that that is going to happen with more exposure on ESPN? Um, I think it might. I think it's starting to happen that way without it. Right. Um, do I think more people with more people watching and paying attention and having that available? I think you're going to hear more people saying the names. And what I mean by that is, sure, people know Crosby. They know McDavid. They know Ovechkin. Outside of those big three, go to the next tier down, and your audience shrinks. I mean, yeah, most people know Patrick Kane. Most people know Evgeny Malkin. Most people know Steven Stamkos. Most people know, you know, um, Austin Matthews. So those are popular names. They're popular, obviously, uber popular to us because we're hockey fans. But the average person that's not a hockey fan, they may have heard of those names. May have. I doubt One that. step down from there, go to the next tier, not so much. So those big three, outside of those big three guys, I think mm-hmm. you're going to hear more names become household names and more people are going to pay attention. You know, when rookies rookies come out and nobody's heard of any of these rookies, even though some of them are in the top five in scoring every year. And then when the Calder comes out, people are like, who? And you're just like, yeah, exactly. I can tell you don't watch hockey and I can tell you don't pay attention. Well, maybe we won't see that anymore. Maybe we'll now get back to Kale McCarr becomes a household name. Nathan McKinnon's a household name. There's only uh, one household name in hockey. Currently or yeah, of all currently. Time? Who would you say that is? Gritty. Oh, jeez. Search uh, your feelings. You know it's true. Search my feelings. I don't even know how to respond to that. That's just silly. That's silly. but you know what I'm saying though. I mean, there's there's that many and like so many more people that are just casual fans of other sports. They could name countless numbers of baseball players and football players and everything else that aren't maybe the superstars, but they know them. They're familiar with those names, right? It's because they hear about them enough times because, yeah, it's just osmosis, you know. Even if ESPN didn't show a single hockey game, but still covered all the highlights and everything, it would make a huge difference. Right. But so now they will. And when you have Stephen A. Smith... Plugging hockey, yelling and screaming. He doesn't on like TV. hockey. Oh, he's never been a huge hockey fan. Although I believe he was noted as being a fan of the Carolina Hurricanes at some point. I'm not sure where that comes in because he's self-proclaimed knows nothing about hockey. Mm-hmm. And I think Disney um, called down and said, "Put Stephen A. on the air and make him say a bunch of stuff about hockey." So the other day, and you may have saw it, he came up with the five things that he knows about hockey. And the number one thing, the puck is black. That was his number one thing that he knows about hockey. The puck is black. The other things were like, there's a football player who is a fan of the Islanders. He knew that because the guy tweeted out that he was. Uh, the other thing was he talked about Barry Melrose suits. We're going to get to see Barry Melrose suits. They're going to dig Steve Levy out, and it's going to be exciting because Steve Levy has called pretty much every game that's gone into quadruple and quintuple overtime. Mm-hmm. So Steve Levy will be back on the call. And I forget what the what – the, oh, he's excited for the, for the Kraken because he can't believe there's a team called the Kraken. And he thinks it's great. So Seattle's getting a hockey team, and he thinks it's awesome. That was his other thing. But number one, the puck is black. He's like, that's all I know about hockey. I don't pay attention to hockey because it's too damn cold. And that's pretty much what he said, which harkens back to the whole uh, Laszlo Holmes thing with, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Let's do that hockey. Well, any uh, any last thoughts uh, as we wrap up this podcast? I wish I was a broadcasting company that could get paid $2.8 billion from somebody. Or you mean pay, to, get paid or, or paid? Get paid to broadcast my stuff for $2.8 oh, billion by a broadcasting company. Right. I mean, I'll make more YouTube videos if that's what it takes. 
Yeah. I don't, I don't mind. The DFG Card Garage on YouTube and ESPN Plus. Yeah, you can put it on ESPN Plus and put it behind a paywall. I am still afraid of that. I don't want that to happen. I don't want everything to be shoved behind a paywall. So I'm still hoping for that. But with the, uh, I got in on the Disney Plus deal right before they raised the price. So I'm still good for a little while with uh, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus and Hulu. Although the Hulu is not Plus and they show commercials and it's annoying. But that's okay. I don't watch it that much. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed this show, please like and subscribe and tell your friends. And until next time, collect what you like. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk. 